Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Hey everyone, how are we going today? Good, good. For those in the room, those online, great to be back. As Michelle mentioned, we've uh, been away for the last two and a half weeks. Uh, I've got my holiday beard that I'm just cultivating. Uh, it's going to become a bit, bit of maybe something that will just warm me through uh, this winter time. Uh, but, you know, a bit of, bit of fun. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we've been uh, away for two and a half weeks. And uh, I just really want to say a huge thanks to Sharice uh, and to Dubsy and the team for their leadership over the last two and a half weeks. I don't think they've missed a beat. I think they've been absolutely fantastic and just really want to honour them and thank them. So can we put our hands together again and thank the team? Well done. I don't know if you've uh, realised, but we have some great leaders in the life of the church, Uh, some really excellent uh, leaders uh, that are being developed and cultivated and released into uh, God's work. And it's just a real pleasure to walk alongside them and to serve you as a community. And uh, and these last two and a half weeks while Michelle and I were away, uh, things just continued to go and there was a real... um, a sense of leadership. Uh, so I really want to say thank you uh, for the team in that as well. I also know uh, with the uh, Mobbery uh, cluster uh, has impacted our church uh, quite significantly. There's been up to around 30 families that uh, we know of that have been into uh, self-quarantine and isolation. So it's quite a significant number when you think about it. And we just want uh, everyone to know that we are here for you. We know a number of those families have um, just recently come out of um, self-isolation or or are um, today coming out, but there'll still be some that, you know, you might need something. And we want you to know that we're here for you. Um, That's a big part of what we've been trying to push in terms of our care and our support. Um, You can get in contact with the church at uh, care at clovercrest.com.au, or you can uh, just ring the church office, or if you're online, you can hit the uh, request prayer button now, or in the room, you can see us afterwards. But we want you to know, without any shadow of a doubt, that we are here for you and that we want to care for you at these times as well. Uh, obviously, COVID's been going on for some time now, and it doesn't look like it's going to be ending anytime soon. And there's a build-up for people in terms of uh, fatigue, perhaps, or financial or relational stress. Uh, maybe this last lockdown, you, maybe your home isn't a safe place for you to be uh, for many different reasons. And we want you to know that we're here for you. We want to walk with you and help you as much as we can. So if we can serve you uh, in any way, uh, please let us know how we can do that. Because the one thing we can't do is read your mind or understand your situation or your context without actually knowing that. So you can trust us, uh, we're confidential, uh, but we want you to know that we are here for you uh, 100% uh, and we have some money set aside to walk with people that are needing some extra counselling at this time or some professional assistance and uh, we want you to know that that's for you. Uh, It's not for someone else. In these situations, sometimes you can say, oh, that's for someone else that needs it more. No, it's for you. So if you need it, we're here for you. Please reach out and let us know. Uh, also, uh, in, um, in all of that uh, as, as well, I just want us to remind us that we are called to be the church, uh, that in these times where there is uh, anxiety and there is fear, uh, we actually hold on to Jesus. He's our king. He's our uh, shepherd. He's our uh, one that we look to and that we find uh, grace and love and mercy in. So I want to encourage you to seek him. I want to encourage you to spend time with him. I want to encourage you to get into his word and get into prayer, to sit and soak with him. 
I, I believe today is a significant day, whether in the room or online, that God has been depositing by his Holy Spirit words of encouragement that we need to hear from him so that we can be that non-anxious presence in our world, so that we can lead our people to Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace, and we are called to walk uh, with him in the places in which we find ourselves. So continue to seek him in all that you do. Another thing that you need to do at the moment, you need to watch the Olympics. Like, how good are the Olympics? Once every four years, or this is every five years, the Olympics are on, all of a sudden you find yourself cheering for someone that you don't know, probably in a sport you don't really understand, but come on, you're just cheering for the gold. So we need a bit of Olympics love in our lives at the moment as well, because it can't all be too serious or too, you know, kind of down. You just need to be, you know, cheering for someone that you don't know, that becomes your best mate, that you hope wins gold for Australia. There's one this afternoon. I'll give you the, 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 the mail here. There's a guy called Logan, Logan Martin. He's born in Logan in Brisbane, and his parents called him Logan. So there you go. And he is in the freestyle BMX today around lunchtime. You've got to get around this guy. He's, he's a guy, he could be your next best mate because he's going to potentially win gold for Australia. So just get around that. And as the next you know, couple of weeks unfold, find yourself cheering for someone that you don't know in a sport that you don't understand. That's part of what it means just to get around the Olympics, all right? So you need a bit of Olympics love in your life as well. So we, as Ash um, so beautifully uh, interviewed uh, Tess and Jordan there, we had a new series uh, that we're starting today at the table. And Luke and the team put together a table here that you can see uh, behind me. And we're looking at what does it mean to be part of God's table? What does it mean uh, to actually participate and be part of God's table? Because we're all welcome at God's table. We're all valued. We all have a seat at God's table. We all belong at God's table. And as we come to God's table, we sit around God's table and it's fun, we, we're nourished, we, we get to spend time together, but at the same time, we contribute around God's table. Our part of having a seat at God's table is making contribution into the kingdom of God and we're nourished and we're sent out from God's table. So we're going to be sitting around the table, looking at the table here uh, over the next few weeks. And as you look at this table here, I wonder what your table was like growing up. I wonder what your table was like. When you think about your table growing up as maybe a young person in your home, I wonder what it looked like. I wonder now if you can just recall it, just that house that you grew up in, the table in which you grew up in. I wonder if you can recall it now. I've got some questions for you. Who was around the table? And why were they around the table? As a family growing up, did you eat alone or did you eat together? Was the table a significant part of the rhythm of your family? Who was welcome at your table? Who wasn't welcome at your table growing up? I wonder at your table growing up, was it organized or was it haphazard? Did people have roles or, or did it just sort of happen? And then there's this beautiful mess and it just ended up being a place where you were together. Was there joy? Was there laughter around your table growing up? Did it get serious? Did you have some robust conversations around the table where you really pushed it around and your parents or those significant others in your life actually created space for you 
to learn and to question, to maybe sit in the grey a little bit of life as you're growing up and trying to work it all out. I wonder what your dinner table looked like when you were younger. And I wonder how that dinner table, that table that you grew up around or you are growing up around, I wonder how that shaped you for the table that you now have today and that you invite others around. I wonder how it shaped you. I wonder even when we come to new ideas or new thoughts or to learn new things or to have a laugh or to be serious or to be flexible around life, how did your upbringing in the table in which you grew up around shape you for that? And I wonder if you have considered who's welcome around God's table. I wonder if you've considered uh, what did it look like for Jesus when he lived on earth. Who did he eat with? Who did he spend time with? Who did he recline at the table with? As we read through the Gospels, we see Jesus engaging with both women and men, the rich and the poor, and particularly those in the margins, the sick and the hurting, children who didn't have a voice, and those whom society had rejected in some way. They were the ones that Jesus spent time hanging out with, eating with, reclining at the table with. So for this series, we're going to be sitting in the Gospel of Luke. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke and we're going to be looking at who did Jesus eat with? Who did he recline with? Who did he spend time with? Who was around his table? And we read of Jesus eating with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, where he would talk to them about the kingdom of God and field questions as essentially they tried to trick him and, and trip him up. He, he ate with his disciples where he would teach them about what it meant to live in the kingdom. And, and uh, the Last Supper was such a crucial meal where he spoke to them about what life would be like when he's not around. And then Jesus also spent time feeding those who didn't have food or means to be able to feed themselves. And we'll be looking at that. So the question really for us at the beginning of this series is this, as followers of Jesus, how do we learn from Jesus and live in the same way that he did? As followers of Jesus, as his disciples, as students, imitators of him, how do we learn from his rhythms? How do we learn from his emphasis? How do we learn from the things that he prioritized? And how do we do that when we focus on who was around his table. And to kick off the series today, we're going to look at an interaction that Jesus had with a little man called Zacchaeus in Luke 19. So if you've got your phones, if you've got your Bibles, let's look up Luke 19. And we're going to start with an interaction that Jesus had with a tax collector. And you might wonder, why a tax collector? And very simply, it's because this, everyone is welcome at God's table. Everyone is welcome at God's table. And tax collectors were one of the most despised occupations and hated people in the first century. And on top of this, they probably hated their job as well. They were not trusted by people. Uh, they'd been seen as turning their backs on their own people because they actually applied to become tax collectors. So they actually, they, they turned their back on their own people and then they collude with the enemy of the day, which was the Romans. So, you know, they were pretty much despised. They probably didn't like their setup and their arrangement too much either. 
And then we find ourselves here in Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. This is Zacchaeus' interaction with Jesus. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter. He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You know, it's fair to say, and I'm not exaggerating here, that nobody likes Zacchaeus. Like literally, nobody liked Zacchaeus. If the people of Jericho, back in the first century, if they knew that 2,000 or so years later, we're going to be talking about Zacchaeus and his interaction and his experience with Jesus, the people of Jericho of the first century would be turning in their graves. Like, honestly, they would be horrified to think that we are talking about Zacchaeus and his interaction with Jesus. He was just not a good guy. And he was not liked at all in his community. And he just wasn't a tax collector who was despised, dishonest, working for the enemy. He was the chief tax collector. He was the boss man. He just didn't take the money from people as they were coming through the town. He took the money from the people that took the money. So he was getting a cut from the tax collectors as well as his own post. And then he was, on top of that, he was the chief. The chief tax collector, the probably the most despised guy going around. I hope I'm not describing you. This guy is not a good guy and didn't really have a standing uh, in his community in, in that way really at all. And you can imagine what it would have been like for the people of Jericho. Just be honest for a moment. Think about it from their perspective. They're seeing Zacchaeus' wealth grow. So what are they seeing? They're seeing finer clothes. They're seeing more food. They're seeing parties that they're probably not invited to. They're seeing a lavishly decorated house and they're thinking, that's on my money, buddy. That's my taxes that are going towards that. So it's fair to say Zacchaeus wasn't liked and people didn't have much of an opinion of him at all. But in this passage... Luke makes Zacchaeus one of his minor heroes in the gospel. And he, and he looks at this hardened, despised and wealthy tax collector and it fits actually into three of Luke's mega themes through his gospel. 
The first one, which is the problem of riches and what to do about it. This story kind of ticks off on that. The second around the identification of Jesus being with sinners. And he certainly does that. And then thirdly, faith in Jesus and recognizing him as Lord brings new life. So Luke is actually flipping the narrative of Zacchaeus. And he makes Zacchaeus one of his minor heroes. Fits him into these three mega themes. And one of the reasons I believe he does this is because he wants the people reading his gospel and us today to know that everybody is welcome at God's table. Everyone is welcome at God's table. And the thing I love about Zacchaeus is Zacchaeus is curious. He's curious. See, none of us, we we never arrive. We would do well to be learners all the way into our lives. And Zacchaeus has a curiosity. He's wondering. He's a rich man. He, he, he doesn't have a standing uh, in society around being liked, but gee, he's wealthy and he has what he needs. And he's found a way to live in such a way to have all of his needs and some met. But he has a curiosity. He has a curiosity about this man, Jesus. And he goes out of his way. He climbs a tree. And when Jesus notices Zacchaeus, he calls him by name. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And this curiosity that Zacchaeus has is really important. Because sometimes I think that we can think God is not working in people's lives. But God is actually, in fact, working in everyone's life because God has created us and we're created in His image and we're created to be in relationship with Him. So whether we can articulate this or whether we know this or whether we can actually speak of this or whether it's just something happening in our lives, God is actually working in all of our lives. And sometimes we see the outward bits of that and we think, oh, no, that can't be true. But we don't know what's happening on the inside, do we? And it might be that you're here today with us in the room or online, and you might be thinking, I'm too far from God. Well, no way. Or you don't know, Mike, what I really am doing. Or you don't know what I'm into. I might come here. Today, I can't see your face. (laughs) But you might, you don't really know. On the outside, I make it look a bit nice and shiny, but on the inside, you don't know what's going on. But here's the thing. This is what I do know, that God is at work in your life. God's at work in all of our lives. He's drawing us closer to Him and He's making us become more like Him. And Zacchaeus' curiosity sent him up to the top of a tree. And what does Jesus do? Jesus calls him by name and He says, today we need to hang out. Today, Today we need to spend some time together. So it might be that you're wondering about your standing before God or it might be that you've been praying for someone for a very long time and you're looking at them and you're going, I just don't know if God's getting through to them. Well, guess what? God's at work in their life. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep asking God for a breakthrough. Keep asking God to draw Him to themselves because He is. Keep asking them for an openness that God would break into their lives because He will. Don't give up. Keep praying, keep seeking God, keep asking for that breakthrough of salvation in that person or that family's life. Don't give up. Zacchaeus has his curiosity. Jesus notices him and then Zacchaeus welcomes 
him gladly. Even if on the outside he looked far from God, on the inside things were different. He was ready to accept God into his life and experience grace when meeting Jesus. You know, there's a student in our youth ministry that's been going through a similar experience over the last few years. A few years ago, this student said to God, said, God, if you want me, come and find me. If you want me, come and find me. This person had been seeking God and trying to develop a relationship with him, but just feeling like it's not happening. Uh, this student found their way to Clovey uh, through our youth ministry and was really seeking community at the time, really seeking a group of people to be around. But then she started to have encounters with Jesus. She developed a curiosity about wanting to know more about this man, Jesus. And Jesus noticed her and Jesus began to call her by name. And, and she continued to have these experiences with God that she could not deny his reality. And the fact that he was real. It's a beautiful thing, a great thing. She continued to grow in her faith with him from this point. Got baptised, invited a friend along to youth group who then put their trust in Jesus as well and is now serving in our kids' ministry. And what is so beautiful to know is that what Jesus did in the life of Zacchaeus 2,000 years ago did in this student's life over these last few years. And I know if I asked for story after story after story in our faith community, I would hear stories of Jesus noticing people, calling them by name, and then people welcoming him gladly into their lives. But it does begin with a curiosity, doesn't it? It does begin with an openness to life and faith and an openness to what could be more in your life. And I wonder, has Jesus noticed you and is your next step to welcome him gladly? So Jesus is now in Zacchaeus' house. He's at the table. He's enjoying the hospitality. And what happens next is, well, just simply outrageous. Verse 8 goes on to say, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, well, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. So Zacchaeus then makes this call to Jesus and he says, I'm going to, re I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor and repay four times the amount back to people that I have ripped off. Now, this is scandalous. He's in Jericho. He's hated by the people. He's the chief tax collector. He has got a lot of people to pay back. This isn't just like getting his wallet out and saying, here you go. Here's just what I've got. We're going to be okay. This is huge. Absolutely huge. So in first century Judaism, uh, giving away 20% of your wealth seemed to be a very generous act. And you think about it, it's probably the same today. And if you tithe 10% uh, of your um, um, salary back into the life of the church and you gave away another 10% uh, into um, you know, other charities or the church, part for the house, things like that, you, that's a very generous year, right? And it's the same in the first century. So for Zacchaeus to sort of stand up and say, I'm not going to go 20%, actually, I'm going to go 50%. This is a thank offering of a changed heart, isn't it? 
It's a thank offering of a changed heart. This is not for show. (laughs) There is no show here. It is a thank offering of a changed heart. And Tom Wright puts it this way. He says, repentance involves restoration, making amends. Repentance involves restoration, making amends. And this is what we witness here with Zacchaeus' encounter with Jesus. And I wonder, have you had an encounter with Jesus that has moved you in such a way that your response was overwhelming generosity? Can you remember a time in your life where you've just been moved in such a way where you've gone, Lord, it's all yours. And with overwhelming generosity, you've responded to what he's done in your life through that encounter. I know I have, and I'm sure if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, you have too. And usually the response to that is joy and thankfulness. So grateful I got to give that away. That is awesome that God would ask me to give that away. I feel so free because I've been able to give into the kingdom of God in such a way that I know He will give all that I need in return. And this is the moment that Zacchaeus is having right now. He's just having this thank offering. And he said, Lord, it's all yours. It is showing a changed heart. And I love Jesus' reply where he says, Jesus says to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. So picture this. We're at Zacchaeus' table, we're in his house, and Jesus restores him. He is restored at the table. He is set free, and his life is set on a new path. Wow, what a moment. What a moment. Zacchaeus, who was curious, climbed the tree. Jesus, who noticed him called him by name and Zacchaeus welcomes him gladly into his home and then he is set free. He's set free. A hated, despised, corrupt man called Zacchaeus is experiencing the full love and grace and forgiveness of the living God. That's a lot to take in. But this is what's happening in Zacchaeus' world right now. And this word salvation, the Greek word soteria, means deliverance. When Jesus says, uh, today salvation has come to this house, what he's saying is, today Zacchaeus, you've been delivered. You've been delivered. You've been saved. You've been restored. You've been set free. You've been delivered from this past life and you have been set on a new path. And Jesus says that he has come to seek and save the lost. You see, everyone is welcome at God's table. Everyone is welcome at God's table. And this encounter between Jesus and Zacchaeus, well, it says something about Jesus, but it also says something about us as humans, I think. It demonstrates Jesus' love for all people and his bias on focusing on seeking and saving the lost, but also shows to us and gives us a picture, a beautiful picture of what transforming faith looks like. Zacchaeus now sees the world differently. 
He responds to the wrongs in his life and he makes things right. Once he's received this saving grace in his life, he goes on to make things right. We don't hear about Zacchaeus anymore. I dug around a little bit and I wanted to know some more and there's some thoughts, but nothing concrete enough to share with you today around where Zacchaeus ended up. But don't you just want to know? I'm like, I just want to know a little bit more about what that looked like for him moving forward. But Zacchaeus is dropped into the Gospel of Luke as one of his minor heroes. He's curious. Jesus notices him and calls him by name. And then Zacchaeus welcomes him gladly into his home. And then what happens? He's saved. He's delivered from that past life and into a new life. And it shows us who Jesus is and what he's about. But it also shows us what faith looks like. And that's really important for us to know that as well. And I believe there's a wonderful challenge here for us, Clovey, about how we live for God in the context in which we find ourselves. Daryl Box says this, he says, the church must become the means for restoring the lost and rejected by seeking them out, not by remaining isolated from them. We have this opportunity to restore the lost, those who aren't in relationship with Jesus. And I guess there's a question here for us, maybe a little bit of a pointed one. And one that I ask, knowing that we can only have 10 people in our homes at the moment, but I'll ask it anyway. Are we eating with sinners? Do you eat and have people around your home that are different to you? That maybe don't have faith, that God is asking you to share your faith with? Who is around your table? At home? at work, who is it that you invite around your table? There's a man by the name of Simon Smart. He works for the Center of Public Christianity and he talks about the fact that we now live in a post-Christian world and the most important um, part of sharing your faith with another person is it starts by being good company. Good company. Because we are not at the center of the table Uh, We're not at the centre of the the conversation in the public square. But when we're good company, we ask good questions. When people want to hang out with us, we get an opportunity to share our life and share our faith. So my question is, who do you have around your table? Are you good company? And particularly in this COVID season, COVID's not going anywhere. We know that. And we're living on the merry-go-round at the moment of Uh, restrictions and that's not going to go away anytime soon until uh, vaccination rates get to a point where we can have a threshold of movement we know that but how at this time can we be looking outward and looking for the other and not be thinking necessarily about ourselves but be concerned about the other 
What does that look like in terms of who you have around your table? How you care for those in your family, those in your street, those in your life group, those in our church? Who is it when you're having quieter moments with the Lord and He impresses someone on your life for you to give them a call, for you to invite them over, for you to love and reach out? Because I think by human nature, it's in these times that we can think, oh, when's someone going to do that for me? But actually, it's Jesus who's done that and is doing that work in us so that we can live for the other. And my encouragement to us as a church is right now, right now, when it feels the most difficult to say, Lord, who do I need to reach out to? And if there's a narrative in your mind of who's reaching out to me, just press back against that and say, Lord, you've got me. Who can I reach out to? Who, who, have, who is it that I can have around the table? Just like Jesus, you reached out to Zacchaeus. Who is it for you today? Because everyone is welcome at God's table. Will you stand wherever you are? Stand.